welcome back to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. For six out of the eight teams who entered this final series with hopes of a premiership, their hopes have now been dashed. But before we discuss the grand final matchup of Richmond and Geelong later on in the week, this episode, I have Eleni Thomas and Michael Van Dorsen with me to discuss the six teams who were good enough to make finals, but not good enough to make the big dance. First off, I'll start by asking, how are you guys? Yeah, good. Just, you know, excited for what probably ended up being the most predictable and boring grand final matchup we could have had, but still excited, nevertheless, um, and happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for having me, Casper. Yeah, unfortunately, it is boring and predictable, but thank goodness there's going to be rain on Saturday up in Brisbane. Well, that's mm, the rain's going to be interesting. Uh, does that mean that you're hoping that Richmond's going to win? Because I, I read somewhere that Richmond is, um, is uh, the best wet weather team in the competition. Okay. No, I'm, I've got no idea. I think I'm trying to figure out who I want to lose more. I think that's the way I'm taking it. <laughs> I completely agree with that. It's, it's literally like the lesser of two evils at this point. Like, I don't, I just want them to draw and then for them to just not play time on and then no one to win is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> the league, the league can, retain the, can, can retain the premiership. Look, I think for me, um, mum's in the next room, so hopefully I won't say this too loud so she can hear me, but I'm hoping that Geelong will win. Um, yeah, but if, if mum asks uh, me, then I definitely, I hope Richmond wins. Go Tigers. I think that's the lesser of two evils for me, is Geelong. Mm, <laughs> to be perfectly Agreed. honest. <laughs> Agreed. No one wants, honestly, other than Richmond supporters, no one wants to see Richmond win another flag. Let's Let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe just give them like another, you know, 37 year drought, you know, just make them, just remind them the fact that, you know, they once sucked and it wasn't too long ago that they sucked. Um, but this episode, on to the six teams, not good enough to make the decider. We'll go from eighth to third, starting with the elimination final losers, West Coast and St. Kilda. Sorry, West Coast and the Western Bulldogs. I going to say, hang on a second. You feeling okay? <laughs> Clearly. I mean, in, in fairness, everyone was expecting it to be St. Kilda, so that's a fair True. A, a fair mistake. But <laughs> True. But no one was expecting West Coast to, to be no. out in the first week either, were they? That's very true. Michael, I'll start with you. Let's start with the Eagles. In the, in, would you give their the final series a pass or a fail, and why? Final series would be definitely a fail. Mm. Uh, overall season outlook, what they finished, they finished fifth in the home and away with a 12-5 and five record, inflated because they played so many games in Perth. I honestly, I think as a West Coast fan, they'd be very disappointed with season 2020. Um, even more so the fact that they had uh, a home final and they got beaten by Collingwood in, over there, who were just making up the numbers, as so many pundits said. Sorry, Eleni, but you know, that's what they were, that's what everyone was saying. Um, so I, I look at it and go, West Coast, massive underachievers um, for season twenty twenty. They had to, they had the home final. They had everything going for them. Um, Collingwood with the dirty side. I think that was a bit more media hype than anything else. But uh, yeah, I think they'd be disappointed. But 
I mean, Nick Nat knew he got through a full season. That's got to be a positive for them. We'll try and find some sort of positive aspect of it because I know Casper will find some way of just being completely negative on them. So um, the games at home were fantastic. They've built that fortress really well at Optus Stadium now, I think. So looking forward to seeing what they do in 2020. But yeah, I think, what are we going? Are we giving grades? Is it like a school teacher giving grades? If, I, if it was, I'd probably give him probably a D. Okay. A D? Yep. I don't know. Eleni, what do you reckon? Um, no, I, I completely agree. Like, yeah, I am a Collingwood supporter and I can tell you in, with complete honesty that I, in no way, shape or form, was expecting us to beat West Coast, um, especially us playing, you know, playing them having lost that grand final. So for me, just the mentality already is gone. Um, and like you said, them having the home final, I think that you know, even I remember Charlie Cameron um, after their match, they were full <laughs> on, they were completely expecting West Coast. So I think it was, I think they not only sort of let themselves down, but I think the football community at large was probably pretty let down by their performance. Um, I think they were, at, in, in terms of the final series, I think West Coast were the ones who completely dropped the ball. Like I was almost tipping them as a sneaky chance to win the flag. So I think um, they'll be really disappointed. I I would give them a solid F for failure in this final series. I think bowing out so early, I think that that was the biggest disappointment of the whole series. I mean, can the pies. I was glad we got the win, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, for the final series, definitely it has to be anything more than an F. Terrible, but yeah, yeah, just really disappointing. Everything going for them and then they put dish out that like, I mean, yeah, okay, it was only a one. What was it? One or two points? One, one point. point. It was a, a one point. Trust me. It's one point loss. I know. <laughs> it's in my brain forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I thought I'd ask. Um, but yeah, no, it's yeah, disappointing, completely, and yeah, shattering. Mm. Mm. I think, uh, Eleni, right? Just to, I say, I I agree with you. Massive F for the final series. For me, I have to disagree with you Michael when you said giving this season a D I think that's too kind for a team that added Kelly here we go Eleni <laughs> that was supposed to be the missing piece right and a full season from that Nui Kelly in the midfield their core their stars are um, their stars are still playing really well but they're starting to age their window is going to shut sooner rather than later you would think maybe a couple more seasons but still, they're one of the best, if not the best midfield in the competition, if you look at the players on the list. And to finish only in fifth position on the ladder is a massive failure. Although, I will say that um, you mentioned, Michael, they only, you know, they played so many games in Perth. They only played like seven games in Perth, I think. Seven or eight games. You know, they got the same I, amount of home games as everyone else did. But they so, won them. They did win them. And they didn't. They couldn't. They couldn't win in in Brisbane in the first um, first hub. So, yeah, that to me says they were winning more at home, and they couldn't deal with it anywhere else. Yep, and I agree with that. To lose, it wasn't just the fact that they lost. It was how much they lost by. Right? If they if they lost, you know, if they lost to the Suns, if they lost to the Power, if they lost to the Lions, I think it was by two goals, two or three goals max. So I think okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Being away from home and having to travel to the other side of the country, you know, Port Brisbane, 
maybe not so much Gold Coast at the end of the year, but they were good teams at that moment in time. Then fair enough, but they got hammered. They're not going to get another season where, um, well, unless next year, but they most likely won't get another season where they play seven or eight games in a row in Perth. And they weren't able, they weren't good enough to take full advantage of it. Positives, Nat Nui continued to be a superstar. And they still have, if they, if their midfield can stop underperforming, then they can easily make the top four again next year. They what do they need? What do you guys reckon they need, West Coast? Give them some sort of hope here, Casper. <laughs> They're like, draft time, what, what should they be trying to find? Someone who's not adverse to travelling. <laughs> well, I guess it's, it's hard with West Coast because they're kind of like a well-oiled machine at this point. You know, they've got like hmm. your Kennedys, your Darlings. And so it's kind of hard to even think about what they need because I feel like they've had such similar personnel for so long. I think definitely um, bringing Kelly in is a huge addition. And I think um, he's so, like such a match winner. I feel like the only way we sort of won that final against them was because Levi Greenwood completely shut him down. I completely credit him for almost winning us that game by taking him out of it. Um, mm. So I, I don't know. I think I, I really don't even think it's this anything they need to add. I think it's just about being a bit more cohesive and yeah, definitely being able to perform better, um, you know, away from their hub, I think is huge because obviously, hopefully, um, next season we'll be playing in Victoria a bit more and I think that I mean obviously we know they can play away from home because they won a goddamn mm. grand final at the G um, against the Pies uh, but yeah I just think it was maybe a lack of consistency from them sometimes uh, yeah, yeah what do you guys think can I, yeah, I don't disagree with that sorry Michael before you start can I just uh, ask you a question Eleni what about the fact that Josh Kennedy Right, love him. Still a great player, but he's getting old. He's getting up there. I don't know how old he is, but it wouldn't be surprised if he's north of thirty and just south of thirty-five. Surely they need another tall marking forward alongside Jack Darling. Thirty-three. Yeah, he's not that old, thank you. He's not that. Yeah, thirty-three is still pretty young, especially in like modern-day football. Um, yeah, I guess that, that is a tricky thing because I think the reason why their forward line has been so fantastic is you've had two brilliant forwards in Darling and Kennedy and they work so well together. There's almost this like telepathic connection they have. Um, you know, you always see like one leading, the other one will be drawing players in. I think it's really amazing to watch. So I don't even know. I, again, it's, I think you're right, Casper, that, you know, time is running out for them. They're big, big players are obviously getting old. Um, and you know, someone like Nick Nat, um, you know, if he stays healthy, that's fantastic. But it's always hard with Ruckman. Um, so, yeah, I guess maybe looking in the next couple seasons, they'd have to start thinking about, you know, forwards because definitely someone like Kennedy has been such a pillar for them that I wouldn't even know who could take up the mantle of taking over from such a dominant forward. And with free agency and all that sort of stuff, no one actually goes or no one nominates West Coast. No one nominates... I mean apart from Jesse Hogan, which is, to be perfectly honest, a bastard Fremantle, no one nominates a Western Australian club with free agency. So there's, for some weird reason, they're struggling to find uh, people to get across there. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years. If I wait, Sorry? everything else. Oh, yeah, we know that. It's already three hours behind. 
Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> um, what about you, uh, Michael? What 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 do they need? Do they need anything, um, or do they just need to? Consistency, I, I think, is the key. Um, like like Eleni said, when you're going across, when you're playing what, you're playing nine, ten matches in a regular season on the road, you've got to be winning at least 50% of those to be putting yourself into the finals contention. Um, so that gives you what, say, 17, 17 and a half wins for a season or even maybe a bit less. Um, like, seriously, wait, what did I say? Half of them and I said 17. That, anyway, my maths isn't working out very well tonight. So... Um, <laughs> But at the same point, like you get 17 wins gets you up there, doesn't it, for in a 22-round, 22, 22, 23-round season. So you're going to be up there. So you've got to be more consistent away from home. And I think the coaching staff didn't help them in that regard as well. When they went on the hub, they were all down and flat and they were very Casperish on uh, on a few other clubs and all that sort of stuff lately. I think that's got to be... A, we've got to try and get that one going, Elaine. Um <laughs> But at the same time, like, they're just... Yeah. Be upbeat. Take tackle the challenges head on, because um, yeah, that the consistency side of things really hurt them. Don't be a Casper. It's the main message of that. Uh, for <laughs> me, they need uh, backup big men, right? Because Nick Natnui, he's a great player, but aside from him, you have Oscar Allen. Okay, if if one of those two players gets injured, then the entire ruck. Uh, dependency falls on either Nat Nui or Oscar Allen. And Nat Nui, I have very little doubt that he can't. Sorry, I have little doubt that he can carry the weight of the ruck for the entire game. But what if it's Oscar Allen? I don't, I don't think he's quite ready, quite mature enough to take that on. Additionally, the one good thing about having you know, some of the ruckmen in the competition, Max Gorn, um, Brody Grundy, is that they can float down into the forward line and be a target. What if, God forbid if you're a West Coast fan, you have an injury bug that takes out three of Kennedy, uh, Nat Nui, Darwin, and Allen, all of a sudden you're left with one big man in a system that relies on two big forwards and a two-ruck, one who also floats down to the forward line, sometimes floats into the back line. It's just too, it's too bare. The ruck stocks are too bare. So I think they need uh, more ruck talent, more big, more big men. That's just, yeah, I did. That's, that's just my opinion on the matter, but moving Fair on enough. to the Western Bulldogs. Hmm. The dogs, uh, Oh, I forgot to give a grade. No, I gave a grade to the Eagles. I gave them an F. F for failure. Um, Western Bulldogs, I'll let you start with this one, Eleni. Uh, in the context of the final series and context of the season, how was the Bulldogs' campaign? Um, I feel like this one's like a harder one to grade because I, as horrible as this is to say, I wasn't really expecting them to win. It was, I think, in the same way that everyone sort of just thought Collingwood was, you know, filling up the eight. I sort of, I love the Bulldogs, don't get me wrong. I think when they play great footy, they're fantastic. But uh, I would probably just give them 
a C, I guess, middle of the road because I just wasn't expecting them. Like, I didn't think they were going to win. And so their loss wasn't a surprise to me. Um, and I guess they're an interesting one going forward because, uh, again, they've had success in recent years. Um, so it's kind of hard to say what their trajectory is because obviously, you know, they've got a fantastic coach in Luke Beveridge. He seems like the sort of coach that they love playing for. And that's always great in a team to have that camaraderie um, behind your coach. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they come out next season because they very much so are the sort of team that could come out and perform even better next season. Obviously, they've got great talent. You know, you've got Bontempelli as just a champion. Um, or I could even see them not even making the eight, to be honest. it's They're an interesting one for me, I think. They could really really go either way uh what about you michael what do you think yeah I, they've done well to get back into the into the eight this year i, I don't think they're, they're their their upsides is huge their downsides probably just as big um i think they need to find some their, their balance uh, a little bit more um in some way shape or form it's I think they've pl- blooded a, f- a number of good players um, these last few years. And, and I mean, Casper, every time I got on here, I was talking about Latham Vandermeer, a local bloke from, from up my way. He's comes from a great family and great young player. He's going to be playing for goodness knows how long. Um, but there was some really good players come through and I like the look of it. I think they're probably closer to, like if they're going to play, they'll be playing. I reckon they, they might hang around the, that sort of this seven, eight, nine, ten sort of mark for the next couple of years, but they're in a really good position. I think they're going to be closer to. I don't. I don't want to say another premiership, but a consistent finals performance. Um, I think they're going to be closer than GWS, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so they're doing a really good job. And Jack uh, Jack McRae, fifth in equal fifth in the uh, Brownlow um, on Sunday night. So. There's some good players going through. You got yeah, as I said, Bonton Pally, uh, McRae. If if Keith has been a fantastic pickup for them, um, if they can get that forward line working, Norton, Bruce, uh, even Shacky that's sitting around there as well at this point in time, if they can get some of those players up and firing, um, and Mitch Wallace roving at forward pocket, they could be they could be big. I, I'd I'd probably yeah give him a. I'd give them a C plus, better than better than where they were, better than probably a lot of people would have expected. But um, when you make finals, you expect to win. You you want to win one, I think. Uh, in regards to it, came up against a side that knows them pretty well. So I think yeah, their finals campaign again. As I said, disappointed for them, but uh, I think um, yeah, I think if they can get that front front end working, I think they'll be doing pretty, some pretty good damage next year. You mentioned Keith being a great pickup. Has Josh Bruce thus far, I know it's only one season in, but has he been a failure thus far at the Dogs? Not enough time to, to, to work out, to be perfectly honest. It sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but in my opinion, not enough time to work out. He's been trying to learn a new way of play, trying to learn who, how to deal with... Aaron Norton, how to deal with whoever, like, 
they throw up forward, Mitch Wallace and all those sort of guys. Um, it's, yeah, it's not, I think it's too small a sample size, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, I think you sort of give a player like a season to adjust, like you said, to the different game style. Uh, so then I think, but saying that, that like next season is re- the real test mm. to see if the performance sort of stays the way it is, then you could almost call it a failure. But then if you start to see, you know, a bit of chemistry between teammates and um, more consistent performance, I think that that's, yeah, like you said, it's, I think it's too early to tell at this stage. What do you think, Casper? I'm just looking at um, afltables.com at his goal, at his uh, goal stats uh, since starting his career. The Saints, 2019, he had 36 goals and 20 behinds. Now, 20 behinds is a lot, but so is 36 goals. And another 30-plus uh, campaign from him would have really helped the dogs. 30-plus may not seem like a lot in a normal season, but Tom Hawkins only had, I think, like 42 goals and he won the common medal. So 30 would have put him pretty high up there in the competition, and he only had 14. Now, Michael, you mentioned that he, you know, he's still kind of learning everything. You know, it's only a season in. He's had, he had 17 games and a two-month COVID break to learn these systems. And I know the COVID break, you know, could train like you normally would be able to. But still, to have had two preseason games, 17 regular season games, one final and a two-month break, I think it's a little bit too it's, – it's past the point of saying, well, you know, he's still getting adjusted to the whole system. But maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I'm being too judgmental on him. Maybe, you know what, fine, I'll give him this year. Next year, though, if he doesn't start producing for the dogs, then the pressure, the blowtorch is going to be put on him. And his That's really, you, in, your, in your summation there, you said it yourself. He didn't have, he had the COVID break where he couldn't train with anyone. He couldn't work out hurt leading patterns. He couldn't work out all this sort of stuff. So you, I think you are going a little bit too harsh on him too early. And and although that being said, he kicked one bag of what, six, seven, six goals in his uh, numbers. So that's probably inflated his numbers, didn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think you take that game out. He hasn't done a great deal. Yes, I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, He's had, a, as a forward, from what I understand, not that I'm a football, not that I've ever played football, but from from what I understand, a forward needs to work out leading patterns and needs to find out, right, I'm going forward. If who's if Bontempelli's coming at me, how far do I have to lead? So there's there's a lot that has to go on in, in the mindset of actually getting out on the ground and training with teammates. And I don't think many people have been able to do that this year. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I think... But at the same time, though, you could say that for Dan Butler at St. Kilda. You could say that um, a few players at St. Kilda actually came over t- across from uh, other teams. Jack, so, someone? Uh, yes, someone. Jack. <laughs> too many Jacks. Just too many Jacks. St. Kilda list management. Please stop. Ha- please stop getting players' first name Jack. Be more original than that. Please, it's painful whenever I'm, I'm just waiting to lady for Jack Smith to turn up at, at Secura. <laughs> that would just come out really well. I'm looking at looking at their result against teams above them on the ladder, they won one. 
this entire season against teams above them on the ladder. And that was against West Coast by two points. Marcus Bontempelli, did he kick the goal? Did he not kick the goal? Officially, he did. Did he actually? Who knows at this point? I think I can't give their season. It, to be perfectly honest with you, right? To be perfectly honest with you, uh, I, I didn't think that they would make the finals back in round two. Uh, when I started this podcast, I didn't think that they were going to make it. So the fact that they made it, I have to give them kudos for that. And they they won the games that they were supposed to win, which they didn't do in 2019. So full kudos to them for fixing that. But to once again finish only seventh and second straight year of an elimination final exit with the forward line that misfired as often as it did in 2020, I can only give them a C. I can't give them any more than that, but I'm giving them a C. So overall, not too bad. Moving on to the next team on the list, the St. Kilda Saints, the aforementioned Saints. Now, Michael, I'll let you uh, have this one. Surely they're going to get a high mark for their season. Where did they finish last year? I keep meaning to go back and check because everyone's talking about how good they are. St. Kilda supporters were over the moon with playing finals this year and I look at it and go yes great job fantastic like the people they brought in actually helped them out no end and they took to it like duck to order I mean even from the start like Brett Ratton new coach doing so well um but then you add in Brett Hill um uh down back I can see it not is it Dougal Howard mm-hmm. was it can't can't yet down down back um, throwing, I mean, Paddy Ryder in that in that mix as well. I don't think it was first year, but but the, the players they've brought in have been fantastic. They've worked well. They've worked well uh, across all lines. Um, I think I said it earlier in the year that that St Kilda um, Gold Coast rivalry. I look forward to watching that for the next however many years. They're going to be some of the best games going around in the AFL in the not too distant future. But I look at it and go, yes, St Kilda, they've done well. They've won a final. Their season as a whole, and you listen to St Kilda supporters, yeah, they're disappointed with the way they went out, but they were so proud of their boys. Mm. I mean, is it the fact that they haven't won something? They don't know what success looks like. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't know. I don't mean that in a bad way, but at the same time, like they're, they're satisfied for where they're at, which I think is fantastic. But at the same time, like there's, if that if that is their bottom now, they've got so much. They they can improve so much. In in all honesty, I I, I mean I give them a B for this year, for sure. The fact they won a final, if they had have even won two finals, I probably would have bumped it up to an A. Um, but at the same time, like there were times where you looked at and went, hang on a second, could these guys actually win it? Um. There's some good young talent coming through. You mentioned Dan Butler before. Uh, fantastic. I'll tell you what, the, which king is it? Max at St Kilda? Uh, um, yeah, it is Max. Or Bet, Max at St Kilda um, does a fantastic job. He's going to be a, a really good one for them. Um, yeah, they've been, they've been fantastic. Um, I'm stoked uh, watching St Kilda and I'm looking forward to if they can keep everybody fit and firing. Yeah, watch out. I'd expect them to finish at least sixth again in 2021 with the with the view of improving. 
Lenny? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so I just looked up. So they finished 14th last season, which is unbelievable. And yeah, like you said, they obviously brought a lot of new personnel in. Brett Radden's a fantastic coach. Um, and I loved seeing him get some success. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of a hard thing because, like you said, Michael, they had an unbelievable season. There's no denying that. But I think I've kind of just got a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because I think that they should have beaten Richmond. And I mm. like that final, that's where it's really frustrating. Cause like you said, it's good on them for winning one final, but I really do think they should have won that game. Obviously the kicking was a bit of a saga, like too many behinds in that final. So I think I'd probably in terms of rating them, maybe give them like a B minus because, like, obviously looking at them having finished 14th last year, that's dramatic improvement. Um, and I definitely see them going into next season bigger and stronger, maybe even contending for a top four. Um, mm. If they can keep that team healthy, like you said, you know, work on um, really building upon all that chemistry. Uh, but I think that's where it's like a funny thing because they did have a great season, but I do think that they could have had an even better season and they were a dark horse in the finals. Obviously, you know, Paddy Ryder getting injured was a bit of a disaster. Um, but, yeah, B minus. And I, I do genuinely think that they're a young side. I think next season there's going to be a bit of a fight for top four, which I would love to see. It's always nice to see different teams getting some success and then they can make the grand final next year and it can be a Collingwood St Kilda grand final. And we can draw again, and then we can win. That's my that's my hot prediction or, for you. Guys. Or, or it could be like nineteen sixty six. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I, I like your suggestion. I hear you, Casper. But we can just pretend. We we'll just ignore that one. What What about um, you? What you? <laughs> oh, before Casper has a crack, Jake Carla. Does he get another contract? Yes. Yes. They'll be crazy not to give it to him. I, I just, if, if there was one disappointment for, for St Kilda, in my opinion, it was his body language at times. Like, I watched him play a game. Who was they, who were they playing? I think it was against Geelong. And he just looked like he didn't even care to be, he didn't want to be there. His running and chasing was just, was, wasn't even like local footy standard. Like, it's just, you looked at it and went, it's just, I don't know. It just didn't seem right at, at AFL standard. Sorry, Casper. I've nope. taken a bit of I've taken, I've taken a bit of your pizza before and just inhaling all your negativity. <laughs> um, it could look obviously. You know, we haven't talked to him. At least I don't think we've talked to him. Um, so it's a bit difficult to say. You know, why why was your body language so um, distracted, so uh, negative? Perhaps. You know, I only played footy at Auskick, you know, here in Dubai. But, you know, when we were getting crushed, our body language was negative too. So, you know, it could just it could just be the fact that, you know, they were losing by 60 points. But I think you have a point, you know, it's, it's up to a leader on the field to kind of establish how everyone around you in your team acts and plays football. And he is one of the leaders of that club. And that's fair enough. It could have also been distracted. Maybe um, uh, 
because I think his partner was pregnant and that's why he had to leave the club. I'm just searching yet the SBN. Yeah. Um, Kyle leaves for the birth of a child. Uh, so, uh, you know, could, he could have been distracted with that. Who knows? Um, but I think overall he's a great asset for them and they would be absolutely, uh, it would be stupefying if, if they do not. Uh, if they do not give another contract, trying to find another eviscerate for this episode. Um, maybe it's stupefying. I don't know. Anyways, I think for me, it's been a great year for the Saints. And Michael, you talked about their year last year. And I'm looking at who they played last year. And obviously more games. They played some teams twice. But they, the teams that they lost to last year, I'll just highlight some of them. Uh, they lost to the Crows twice. Right, so obviously they beat the Crows in 2020, but they lost to the Crows twice and twice comfortably. They got hammered by the Giants by just under 50 points. That result got reversed this year. Uh, they lost to the Blues late in the year. Obviously, that result got reversed. They lost. This is the big one in China in Shanghai last year. They lost by 70 points to Port Adelaide, and Port yeah, Adelaide. But hang on, hang on. They also had. Gastro go through the club just as they got to China. That's true. That's true. Like, seriously, my mate was almost going to fly over to Shanghai just to play the game because that's how deep they were in, in, in trouble, for want of a better phrase. Okay. Touché. <laughs> Perhaps I won't use Port Adelaide as a, as a point. Let me use Brisbane instead. Last year at, uh, at Marvel Stadium, they lost by 56 points to the Lions. And obviously, Brisbane were a very good team last year. This year, they almost beat Brisbane at the Gabba. That's how much they improved. But similar to Eleni, I'm left with a sour taste in my mouth because I think that while their year has been very, very good, it could have been great. And it's because of the opportunities that they did not take. Games that they should have won, they're in a position to win. And for one reason or another, they didn't. North Melbourne, they lost by two points after leading by a lot early. They lost to Fremantle after leading by, I think, 43 points at quarter, at quarter time. Don't know how that happened. How do you lose to Fremantle of all teams after leading by that much? I don't know. They lost to Brisbane by two points in a game that they could have won. They lost to Melbourne in Alice Springs. Heartbreaking game. The goal line game. They lost by three points. Still should have won that. And they lost to West Coast by 15 points in a game that they absolutely should have won. Those four or five games, I wasn't counting, four or five games, they win that. They finish top of the ladder. Or they finish in the top two at least. Home final. I know home final for Victorian teams don't mean a lot this year. But still, a double chance. And we've seen this final series, the top four teams go through to the prelim finals. So, you know, could have had a chance for a flag. Opportunity missed. Opportunity missed. I think it's, I think it's a good sign when a club finishes their season and you're left with wanting more. Yes. To be perfectly honest, and I think that's the general consensus here. We're all wanting to see more of what St Kilda are doing, and if they keep going the way they're going, that elusive second flag they can, so they can actually swim at St Kilda Beach will be very uh, happy for them all. It's not far away. You could pay me enough money to go swimming at St Kilda Beach in a normal, especially not at the moment with all the COVID, but even, even in a normal situation, just too cold. Just too cold. Yeah. How, how is the beaches where you are, by the way, Casper? We've been meaning no to catch up and find cold. out about this. Nowhere near that cold. Nowhere near. How are, uh, you, you don't look like you've got a tan, though. What's going on? Yeah, look, I got. I don't tan. I don't tan. This is, you know, I'm not football. But I don't tan. I burn. 
right? I, I skip that middle stage and go straight to, I turn the color of the red on my Essendon water bottle, right? That's the color I turn. It's not nice. And then for like four or five days afterwards, no one can touch me because I'm just in Stop constant. taking those drugs then. Okay. <laughs> cool. Moving on. No, I think I have to give the Saints, I'll give the Saints a B. Um, I don't think anyone was expecting them to have the year that they had. Fantastic opportunity. And it's so great to see their coach back in the fold, winning a final, only a second ever finals victory. And it didn't come against Essendon, which is good. Um, unlike his first finals win back in 2011. Uh, it was a great, and it was a great win as well. You know, they held their nerves against the dogs, but those opportunities missed. I can't give them any higher than a B, I think. Moving on to Collingwood. Ooh, this is going to be very interesting. Uh, let Eleni go first. Yeah, yeah. Eleni, you can go first. <laughs> this one. Go on. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, well, I, and I feel like I say this every year about the Pies because I think we had a good season. Um, I think this is what I mean about every season. We had a lot of injuries we were battling with at times. And genuinely, there were times where I would look at the lineup for this season and think that we had the seconds in just because, you know, you had like Trelaw out, you know, steel side bottom is doing whatever he was doing. Um, obviously very, very missed in the finals. The players' uh, mums even thought that you had your seconds in too. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 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 um, well, yeah, that's a very good point in saying that um, it's, I think it's kind of hard to gauge where the pies go from here because I think we sort of made the most of this season. It was almost like a throwaway season from the beginning just because I felt like we were always on the back foot. And so getting into finals was fantastic. And we ended it on a high, in my opinion, even though we got slaughtered. But the high being that we actually won a final against West Coast of all teams. So I think um, we ended the season on a more positive note. And going into next year, basically for me, all it comes down to is us just having the right personnel in, making sure that everyone's fit and healthy. Because I think when we do have our team in... Uh, we are a force to be reckoned with. And hopefully with this trade period right now that we don't lose our whole squad, I'm very worried about that. <laughs> I'm worried to just check Fox News and it's like, Dugowie's gone, Darcy Moore's gone. But um, Chalor could be going so- to Essendon as one thing. Well, I it's, like, it's okay. You've got everyone wanting to come to Collingwood. So, I mean, it's not too bad. Well, I'm hoping to get an update soon <laughs> saying that Jeremy Cameron's decided to come to Collingwood instead of Geelong. That would be beautiful. <laughs> Because um, he's just said he said bye bye to the Giants. He's not interested at all. Um, so I think moving forward, I, I mean, our big issue in this season and then even in previous seasons, probably the reason why we haven't won a flag is just our forward line. I think we don't have, you know, a proper key forward. Obviously, my checks had some great games this season. Cox, when he decides to play a quarter or two, can pull out some great performances. Uh, so I think this season, maybe I'll give us like a C plus, you know, it's hard when you think two years ago we were in a grand final and, you know, like red hot favorites to win that grand final. Uh, So uh, I think given all the injuries, we put in a good effort, got a good win in the final, but ultimately when you look at where we came from a couple of years ago, it'd be nice 
to just see some consistency from the pies, which is something I feel like every Collingwood team always lacks, no matter what year, what squad we have in. So yes, hopefully moving forward, we get a flag. But yeah, what about you, Michael? What are your thoughts? Oh, I was going to let Casper go because it looked like Casper wanted to go have a crack at <laughs> dig in at Collingwood. Is that right, Casper? Or look, I think it's hard to be too tough on Collingwood. So I'll let you go first, Michael. But I will ask. I will. I will ask you this, Eleni. Um, did the win in Perth uh, in the first elimination final? Did that take away the pain at all of the grand final? It Don't... actually really did. That's why I think minute and a half to go. The that's why like the Geelong game I kind of wasn't even fussed about because that I mean that grand final was devastating like I was at that grand final and so I in in all seriousness not even joking like I can't watch West Coast play football because it just like brings me back to that day of just horror um and that's why I think going into that elimination final I was just like oh I'll just make myself a drink and watch Collingwood get slaughtered uh so it did really, especially winning by one point, I think there was something that, given that that grand final, it sort of, we kind of, not, not that we choked, I wouldn't say that, because West Coast did obviously pull out a great performance in that fourth quarter to win that final, but it was nice to see Collingwood have a lead in that fourth quarter this year and hold on to the win. I think that's what made it even more important, the fact that we didn't just, I don't know, throw it away and let them run all over us. Um, so yes, to answer your question, Casper, okay. it was it was satisfying. Joke. They lost more grand finals than any other. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I think. Uh, oh, you got to give him a grade. What grade would you give your pies? She, she did. Did you? What grade I did, did you? What, did, it, did, I, yeah, did I? Did I give them a, a C, C plus? C plus. I thought that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad one of us. I'm glad one of you guys is listening. Thank you, Michael. Focused. That's all right. Anytime. I'm thinking of a sledge. Uh, sorry about that, Eleni. Michael, how about you go? All I can say is, Casper, please do not end up on the voice, because no chairs turning for you at this point in time with that terrible singing voice. Um, you break my. So much was he. <laughs> Maybe you might get on over in Dubai, mate. You might be okay over there. <laughs> um, Dubai's got talent. <laughs> um, Collingwood seemed to promise so much, and yet I feel I feel from an outsider looking in, and I'm open to get slaughtered at me. So if you want to come at me, come at me. Um, they, I feel like they underperform. A lot. Uh, and I, I think, Eleni, you're right. The forward line is an issue. Stevenson, Majacek, they're not your key forwards. How many how many more opportunities does Cox, Coxilla get, <laughs> as they call him over in America? Um, look, I think he does do some great things. and he, I mean, that, that first quarter against West Coast showed that he, he is a good footballer. I mean, Richmond fans know that he's a good footballer. But at the same time, it's it's sitting there and you, you want to see the consistency side of things come out. Yeah, injuries played a huge problem. Um, I know, I think, Casper, we spoke about it a couple of times at least off-field. I don't know what the what's going on off-field there. And um, I think they need to try and figure out what's... As, a, as an outsider, as I said, as an outsider looking in, 
you're trying to look at things that you pick up to try and get them on the right path. I think off-field's a huge issue for them. With the players, things seem to be going... Like, it appears that people, things are going to head, going to their heads a fair bit. That being said, I think Lyndon Dunn kicking a goal when he's comeback game, mm. I think that was a, that was really good. The hairstyle needed to get rid of, but that's another story. Um, the bloke's been pulled out of the wilderness to come and, come and help him out. Like you said, Eleni, seconds were playing at times. You, you did feel that way because so many players were out due to injury. So I suppose that comes back to off-field as well. Who have they got in the positions to try and make sure that these players stay fit and try and stay healthy? Um, what can they do? But I think if you're talking on field, forward of the ball is where they need to look at it. But I do believe Darcy Moore re-signed, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. No, he, he did. He did. That's eased a so, little bit of my anxiety for now. Um, does Dugowie stay bit. or not? Oh. Does, does Dugowie stay? Does Dugowie stay or does he... Dugowie? Does he Dugowie? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, this might be controversial. Um. But if Dugowie leaving, because obviously there's a lot of talk around Collingwood's salary cap at the moment, um, mm. I, I think that if Dugowie leaving would open up room for us to invest in Jeremy Cameron or a younger, um, you know, big tall forward to really sort of uh, like nurture and develop, I am all for it because, you know, Dugowie's great and he has been good for us but I think this season kind of showed that you know he he kind of sometimes loses his place in the forward line he's a match winner but also I feel like for us we have a lot of match winners I think we do but I think we need a big forward to just come in consistently week in and week out and kick two plus goals we need that sort of consistency in the forward line um and it's funny, just going back to good old Mason Cox, I feel like he encapsulates the Collingwood team in that when he's on, mm. he is almost unbeatable and can take down any side. But when he's not on, he's he just disappears mm. and it's like he falls asleep for three quarters and then all of a sudden... When the game's over. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think is an interesting one. I wouldn't be heartbroken if... He left us. That's does tr- the other thing. Does Trelaw follow his partner up to Queensland? He'd be going to the no. Gold Coast. You don't think he'd be going to Brisbane? Or Brisbane, one or the other. Only 30 minutes away from each other. It's See, an interesting a, one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Out of the two, I would I think Trelaw's the one we need more. I think he's not he's not underrated obviously he's a fantastic player but i think people you know look at taylor adams as being like our ball winner and i think you know obviously he's a very gritty midfielder but i think people underestimate how much of the ball trollo gets and how pivotal he is for our midfield hawthorne fans don't trust me he always has one bad quarter against hawthorne and then all of a sudden he plays three really well he gets a lot of the ball in three quarters (laughs) yes i don't know i don't know it's just it's an interesting one I'd give, uh, I didn't give him a. I'll give them a grade before I let you have a crack at Casper. Uh, I'm thinking around the C. I'll, I'll go C. I was going to go a D, but then I thought, oh, I got a Collingwood supporter on on at the same time, so I got to go a C. <laughs> I, for me, right? I'll give my grade first, and then I'll explain why. 
I think for me, uh, C, I'll give C minus. And the reason why I give C minus is because all the injuries that they've had, they did really well to make finals. However, if you told Collingwood supporters at the end of round one, when the COVID break, after they belted the dogs by 53 points, that they were going to be eliminated in the semifinals, only finish eighth and get crushed by Geelong by just under 70 points in said elimination final, they would have called you crazy. And that's exactly mm. what happened. I think as well... What, you got called crazy? I mean, I know. It's a little... Perhaps a little bit oxymoronic to... Um, for uh, fanatical Collingwood supporters to call anybody else crazy. No offense, Lenny. No offense. You're, you're the exception, obviously, to the one-eyed, uh, not-so-many-teeth uh, stereotype. But looking at their age, right, Lenny? You mentioned Adam Trelaw. Adam Trelaw is currently 27 years old. Scott Pendlebury is 32. Still, side bottom is 29. By the time round one is scheduled to start next year, we are end of March, Still Sidebottom will be 30, Pendlebury will be 33, and Trelaw will be 28. If Trelaw leaves, right, you are Taylor Adams, how old is he? Who else do you have aside from Taylor Adams, an aging Scott Pendlebury, and an aging Still Sidebottom? Yeah, Taylor Adams. Was- Adam, Adam Trelaw? Did we just mention Adam Trelaw? I know. And Trelaw Adams. Adam, wait, Adam Trelaw and Trelaw Adams, yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Taylor Adams? Taylor, thank you. <laughs> so, Casper, I think you've lost all merit in. Uh, I don't know in what this discussion, given that you don't even know the names of the no, calling I'm players. I'm done. Right. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. I would like to announce <laughs> I am officially retiring from this podcast and handing over my duties to the rest of my um, the rest of my lovely co-hosts. Look, it's been it's been a long semester. That's all I'm going to say. It's been a very long yeah. semester. Um, what time is it over where you are? It's like nine o'clock our time. So be be grateful. We're, we're probably more tired. Yeah, <laughs> I've no. But um, regardless, you guys have an aging midfield. You signed Brody Grundy up to a seven-year deal, and all of a sudden, he looks slow as nowhere near the output that he's had in 2018-2019. All of a sudden, is that a mistake? That's a seven-year deal to Ruckman, who's around 30 years old already. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole different discussion because I think those giant five-plus-year deals are so crazy anyways. I don't know why, unless you're signing on like Buddy Frank. a 20-year-old, yeah, or like, you know, like a 20-year-old Brownlow winner or something like that. I don't understand the need for them. Um, but just touching on that, like, I think we do have some young players. We had, you know, Josh Dacos had an absolute ripper of a season, breakout season. Um, and I think... All of you. Yes, exactly. And we've got, um, you know, the Brown brothers, I think, will be fantastic for us um, in coming years. So I think we do have the talent there. You know, you've got Jamie Elliott, who has been a bit injury ridden the last season, but I think he was, he sort of kind of stood up for us at the end of this season in the finals. So I think we have, we have the young talent there. I think it's just about utilizing it, getting a cohesive team in. But you are right. It is always worrying when you have um, sort of your star midfielders, your key players. Lenny, don't know. give him any credit. Yeah. Don't give him any credit. I was expecting you to explode then because it looked like you were just about ready to fire right up at him. Oh, always. I was just, <laughs> I just can't, always. I'm just, I can't get over it. And now, what did you say, Casper, before? The heart and soul of Collingwood? What was it? Trelaw Adams? Is that? 
Is that who it is? Is that our key? Yeah. It was something in that pizza. I don't know what it was. Yeah, but... Can we get that on high rotation, please? Because that okay. is just... Right. <laughs> Troll Adams, Troll Adams. I what? what? I tell you what, right? Mum, Mum's in the other room, right? She's a Richmond supporter, and I love her, right? But she got, um, she got the name of a Richmond player wrong once, and I just constantly hounded... I've been hounding her ever, ever since that moment when she got that name wrong. And now she's going to listen to this, and now I'm not going to have anything on her. So, looking forward to that, Mum. There you go. I no longer have wood over you. Um, Colin, hey, Lenny. I think we've got a few people that we can uh, let know about this too. Oh, exactly. That's that's got to be like the the banner of this episode. I'm just oh, going to share it to all all of my Collingwood friends. Oh, <laughs> I think Collingwood. I'll give them a. I'll give them a C. C minus C, whatever I said earlier. Look, this season was okay. It was an okay year. But I think though they were incredibly lucky, not lucky, they were incredibly, um, they're talented enough to make finals despite the injuries. It's a failure of the year in a sense that if you had told them back in March that they would only finish eighth, you know, they would have, Collingwood fans would probably have said that it was a failure. And I think, Lenny, you could back me up on that. Um, and I think Trouble Adams would definitely agree with that. Uh, moving on uh, to the two prelim final losers. Uh, you mentioned before that this grand final was the most predictable matchup. I tell you what, I did not predict it. I thought Port Adelaide and Brisbane it was going to be a rematch of 2004. And it didn't happen. Not only is it not a rematch of 2004, neither Port or Brisbane are in the grand final. Um, yeah, I was going to say, Casper, I think you and I put the moz on them from last episode, I think. I mean, I definitely put the moz on Port because I was so confident in Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, this went from potentially being quite an exciting final and even more heartbreaking, a Brisbane grand final at the Gabba. Like, could you have asked for a better, more exciting oh. final? But that is the 2020 way, of course. Opportunity missed. Golden opportunity missed. Let's start with Brisbane. I'll start off with this one. Brisbane, for me, it's just such a waste of a year, right? And I feel a little bit harsh in saying that because everyone before the season was saying, oh, maybe they'll do a Melbourne, you know, maybe they'll finish bottom four, you know, maybe they overachieved in 2019. So to finish second after all that pressure, all that external noise is fantastic. Like, really full kudos to them. They beat the Tigers in the qualifying final, monkey off the back. But all that means nothing in the context of this year because they lost a final that they had no right to lose. They had no right to lose that one. Geelong were the one coming under immense pressure for their horrible recent finals record. They were at home with the chance of playing a home grand final, as you mentioned, Eleni, something that a non-Victorian team has never had the benefit of. And they squandered it. And it wasn't like it was a close loss. Oh, it was unlucky, you know, maybe one or two bad umpiring decisions cost them the game. No, they got hammered. They got absolutely hammered. So before this game, I would have given them, before the John game, I would have given them their, their year, like an A-, minus, like it was that good. But I have to give them a C plus after that. Eleni, you go. Um, 
yeah, I think I think C plus is actually a bit harsh because, um, yeah, like you said, it was it was funny the the response to Brisbane's success last season because it's there was this weird idea in the media that it was all luck almost that somehow they had weaselled their way into you know being a fantastic side which I I hate that idea of and even this season you know even you and I spoke about it Casper that for some reason Port Adelaide and Brisbane were the underdogs going into this final series even though they finished first Mm -hmm. and second um and that's where I always find it funny how that works because you know the stats speak for themselves but obviously they don't because neither side made the grand final um I think obviously this was a very successful season. Uh, definitely disappointing for them to not be in that final at the Gabba. But Brisbane are a great side. I mean, you know, they have, according to the Brownlow, um, the greatest player in the competition at the moment. So I think there's always positives to take away from that. And they are still a young side. And so I really think that they can build upon all that um, for next season, and I do think that maybe part of the reason they lost to Geelong is, despite Geelong's bad finals record, you can't deny that they're a very battle-hardened final side. And so I think that um, there's a lot of takeaway from this season and even that loss to Geelong, because it ho- will hopefully fuel them next year going into finals. So I would still, I would, I would give this season an A-. minus. I think they put in a great performance. I think it was just one one sort of mishap for them, which did probably potentially cost them the whole season, the flag, really. But I think there's a lot of positive takeaways for Brisbane, and I think they're only going to build on them next season. Don't disagree with that in any way, shape, or form, Eleni. I think it. Uh, I think Brisbane are continuing to build, and when they get things right. Oh, goodness me, it'll be very scary to watch because they, at times this year they were playing some scintillating football and I absolutely, uh, I was actually enjoying watching them play better more than Hawthorne. Um, truth be known. I mean, I know we beat them in round one, but that was a good thing for us. Um, looking at it though, like they're on the up and up. They're six, I reckon I was having a look at the Herald Sun today and, and in the back part of the paper, they had six players in the red their champion data points and that shows you that you can't win a game of football with just what uh, 16 players um, they saved their worst performance for the last game uh, it doesn't help that probably four of those six were uh, forward of the ball um, in Rainer, Rainer um, Charlie Cameron uh, just to name a couple of them I mean Lockie Neal, 31 votes in a shortened season. Imagine if that was a full 22-round season. He would have he would have polled 40 votes almost in the Brownlow. Like, the guy has been unbelievable. Dane Zorko is fantastic. They're, their best is good enough. We've seen it this year. You guys spoke about how underrated the, the top two were going into this final series. Their best is good enough. I, I don't have any doubts whatsoever that Brisbane is starting to be there and they'll be there for some time and they've got a good man at the helm um, in Chris Fagan I think there's some a lot coming through do they need Joe Danaher possibly but is Joe Danaher fit enough that's the other question that we need to we need to check in on because that to me 
I, I find it very interesting. But imagine having an Eric Hipwood as your second tall down there. Like it, it all it sets it up, doesn't it, for a massive twenty twenty one. Plus you throw in Charlie Cameron. Plus you throw in Lincoln McCarthy. Like there's four players right there that you're sitting there going, okay. And you got Daniel Rich running off half back, kicking ball sixty meters plus. Like there's some good players through that through that side, and you've got the full back that everyone just wants in Harris Andrews. Like I tell you what, it's it's being they're they're doing stuff right up at Brisbane, and I think they've got the right people in the right spots. And I don't I I see them they're probably going to win a flag in the next two to three, in my opinion. I don't see any reason why they can't do it in two to three. Mm, no, I completely agree with you, Michael. I can definitely see them, if not next year, the year after, being red-hot favourites to take that premiership. Would be the most formidable forward duo, Joe Danaher and Eric Hipwood, since Matthew Lloyd and Scotty Lucas at Essendon. Um, Franklin and Ruffhead, say hello. Yeah, I thought thought that would rile you up. Um, anyways, <laughs> didn't roll me up. I'm just asking the question, and maybe even Kennedy and Kennedy and Darling might uh, pop their hand up and say hi too. Yeah. Just throwing it, just throwing it out there. No, I think Lloyd and Lucas definitely more formidable. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> definitely a little bit biased there, though. Moving on to the Port Adelaide Power the best team of the year until they weren't. Eleni, I'll let you start off with this one. The power, they everything went so well for them until everything didn't. Um, yeah, I think, I think um, they were obviously a fantastic side this whole season. And I think one thing that was amazing to watch Port um, really produce this season was just consistency. Like, game in, game out, they sort of came out and played, you know, with the same intensity, the same sort of commitment to four quarters. And I think that was really great to see. And, you know, it was definitely unfortunate um, that they that they particularly weren't in that grand final. I think that they sort of had really deserved um, the chance to play grand final, even if it didn't mean winning. Um, so very disappointing for them. Uh that's where it's a tricky one because I think in terms of their home and away season, you can't really fault them. But because of that, you can fault them for not making that grand final. Um, the difference for me between them and Brisbane is I think that they have a slightly older team. I think that, a lot, you know, that's a great combination, definitely. I think something that was really great about seeing from Port Adelaide was they have a lot of young guns, but then they had the veteran players to really ground them in those moments. Um but I guess that is sort of potentially a ticking time bomb in the sense that those players will obviously be getting older, moving on, what have you. Um, and so I, I, don't, I don't think that they will be able to come out next season and be as dominant. I think this was their season. And I think that that might be why it was such a disappointing loss for them because I think this really was um, a phenomenal season for them and potentially the best we might see from them. Um, so I think I would probably rate them like a B plus because home and away season was almost A plus plus plus. You couldn't fault them. They were just consistent beginning to end. But because of that, 
really it was despite the media saying well Richmond and Geelong were favorites going into finals I think it was ports to lose and they did lose it so I would I would rate them a B plus I think um yeah what about you guys what do you think I don't disagree with that I think yeah B plus B something around there they're um it was interesting to see the way they went out. I mean, they only lost by six points in the end. Yes, it was at home. Yes, it was rainy and all that sort of thing. They didn't take their opportunity. And I think there was a, that was that was the difference. If they had taken their opportunities in front of gold, then they would have um, they would have won that game and probably won it pretty well. Um, cheerio, like to Brad Brad Ebert, like retired now and and look at the way he goes about it was just unbelievable. That last act that he, <laughs> that he did on a footy field, I think has won so many plaudits. Um, it's, it's interesting to see what they do and where they go to from here. You're right, Eleni, because you're sitting there looking at him going, what can they do? They've got players, like they've got young players coming through. They've got some older heads there, but what, what do they need to do? Do they need, do they need another forward? Do they need another midfielder? It's a it's a hard one to try and put it a finger on. Um, their good was good enough this year. We saw their good so many times. Um, I do agree. It was the it was theirs to lose. Do we? Is this where we start talking about the pre-finals buy? Like, do we need a pre-finals buy? Why are we playing? Why are they having a break when they get to the finals? Like I, I don't know whether that's a great, thing, a good thing or not. But the lack of, I think in this year, the lack of consistency actually worked against them. Like consistent playing time worked against them uh, in the preliminary final. Similar with Brisbane, um, but at the same time, it, it's an interesting one. I, I, I think Port after what. All year they they led the competition, finishing on top. I think they'll be disappointed in the way they they finished the season. It was the best home and away season in that regard. Team finishing first throughout the entire season, first time since the Bombers in two thousand. Massive opportunity miss. Two things. First off, uh, Michael, the reason why the buy was bought in AFL's. Um, I know why it was bought in. Right. But here's the thing though, right? Before this past weekend, there was actually an equal amount of teams that lost the prelim final who won their qualifying final as won their prelim final after winning their qualifying final after the bye got bought in. So in 2016, two teams lost, the Cats and the, uh, Cats and the Giants. 2017, 2018, 2019... 2017, the Crows and the Tigers won. 2018-2019, split. One team lost, one team won both years. And in 2020, obviously, both teams lost. So there's not an obvious discrepancy in you know, whether or not... the. I think the reason why, if the, if the, if the pre-finals buy did have an impact this year, it was because of the scheduling this year. When you have a two-month break and then you have two football festivals where you play four or five games in the space of like 27 days or however, however long it was. And then you have a week's break. You play, you play another week's break after that. I think that is the reason why potentially it had such a, 
massive impact, especially on Brisbane. But Port Adelaide, I disagree with you, Eleni. I can totally see them becoming the Essendon of 2000 in 2021, right? Because 1999, Essendon, we were the best team that year, right? We went 18 and four. We were, we finished on top of the ladder by a full game and plenty of percentage. We were the best team in the competition that year and we choked in the prelim final, just like Port Adelaide did. And a year later, we came out and we crushed everyone beneath our, about to say feet, but I guess our metallic wings. Um, the, the power for me, they are far too good to be a one and done, you know, show like they are far too talented. Um, I think that next year they could very well, I could easily see them dominating the season again and they'll learn from this. It will hurt. Um, question to both of you. Does uh, Ken Hinckley force all of his players to watch the grand final, just like Kevin Sheedy did in 1999? Won't hurt. I like that, actually. I, I quite like that. Um, I mean, yes, I actually do agree with that. And, yeah, if you're saying, Casper, that you think they're going to come out next year guns blazing, then that sort of fuel in your belly would definitely motivate you to have a bigger season. Um, and I guess that, that is an interesting point you raise. I think, yeah, we're looking at that from different perspectives because I think for me, the reason why I can see Brisbane progressing more is that they can attribute sort of the fact that they choked to being a less experienced side. Whereas for me, like, you know, for me, one of the biggest disappointments of that prelim was Charlie Dixon's performance. I think he, you know, obviously kicked that goal in the beginning of the fourth, I believe it was. But other than that, almost wasn't even there the whole game. So I think that's where, for me, I look at they, they had the experience to win that prelim and didn't. Mm. Um, so that's almost, I don't even know what that is. That's not a lack of experience. That is just choking. Um, but I hope you're right, Casper. I hope I'm proven wrong and they come out guns blazing. It would be nice. But, yeah, I'm not sure. It's a little harsh on Charlie Dixon, don't you think? I mean, it was a wet night, but big forwards don't normally play all that well uh, in such wet Greasy conditions. I thought he had an okay game. Um, if you if you're good enough, you'll get it done in any conditions. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, and that's my opinion. No, definitely, and he's a fantastic, fantastic talent. Um, there was a few like having watched the game. There was a few. Yeah, I mean the wet conditions always make it hard for big forwards, but I definitely thought that um, even if he wasn't taking clean marks, kicking goals, you sort of need your big forward to at least be bringing the ball to ground, getting your smaller forwards in on it. And I, I just think that that was a big miss from him. But that's a whole other story. Uh, but yes, he's hoping Paul come out guns blazing next year. It's interesting. I think because, right, and this could be a controversial opinion, I don't know. But if Port won that game, then we would be saying the exact same things about Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch. Because those three forwards, Charlie Dixon, Lynch, and Rewalt, all kicked one goal apiece. Charlie Dixon more fantasy points than Rewalt and Lynch do. Disposal-wise, I don't know. I'm just double-checking how many disposals he had. Dixon had nine disposals. Lynch had nine. Rewalt had six. So they're nearly, nearly the exact same. I mean, not the exact same influence. the exact same stats. So it's kind of interesting. 
in a game that had 12 goals. I'm just saying maybe maybe if Port Adelaide won, we wouldn't be so quick to judge Charlie Dixon. Not saying that it's a bad thing. Not a chance would we be so quick to judge. Look, I'll say this, right? Charlie Dixon, yeah, he had a pretty average night. He had a pretty average back half of the year, to be perfectly honest with you. Here's a potentially another controversial opinion. I'm just throwing controversial opinions out, like Oprah gives away gifts. Um, Port Adelaide were lucky to win the qualifying final against Geelong. They were very lucky to win. How about that for a controversial opinion? I think Tom you are rowing your own boat on that one. Tom Hawkins, no. zero goals, five behinds. And I think one out yeah, of four. I, I agree with Casper on that one, actually. I think, and especially looking at the performance, the perf- performances Geelong have put in since that game, I think it's it's clear to sort of see that they, they don't dodged a bullet. And that's where I think it wasn't. That that's an interesting final that one I think because I I don't know if you would attribute their win to their performance their like quality performance or Geelong's lack of performance I think that's what I've noticed a lot of these finals I think that it's almost been the losing team giving the winning team the win um, yeah Hawkins is an interesting one I'm that's the one thing I'm excited for about this grand final I I have. Um, uh, a big opinion about Hawkins' role. And I think if he kicks straight, Geelong wins. If he kicks 35 behinds, um, they will lose the game. That's He's a big one for me. Agreed. Yeah, fair call. Fair call. Agreed with that one. Just one last thing to prove my point about this Port v. Geelong qualifying final result. Geelong, 17 scoring shots, Port Adelaide, 13. What was 2008 scoring shots? Sorry? What was Hawthorne's scoring shots to Geelong's scoring shots in 2008? Okay, touche, touche. Look, I'm not saying you don't have to... You've got to take your chances, right? But how far back do you want to go? Essendon, Essendon in the 1948 drawing grand final kicked seven goals, 27 behinds. So, yeah, you know, we could say that we gave Melbourne that premiership too. How far back do you want to go? Point is... Point wait, actually, wait, how many behinds? What did you say? 27 seven, behinds. Seven, seven goals, 27 behinds. You're welcome, Melbourne. Um, yeah, funnily enough, that game was a draw. That's how terrible Melbourne were. We kicked 27 behind and they still couldn't beat us. They had to play next week to win against us. Anyways, that's enough. Uh, that's enough trash talking Melbourne. They're not even in the finals and I'm talking, and I'm talking trash about them. Poor old demons. Nevertheless, we've been through the six teams. It's the Tigers and the Cats in the grand final, which... Uh, I will be discussing with the other co-hosts later on in the week. But for now, I just want to say, Eleni and MVD, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, because all of our teams aren't playing, I can't wish you guys well for this weekend. But let's hope it's a good game of football. Yes, yeah, go the storm. Oh, yes, go the storm, yes, always. Um, <laughs> no, we always support the, the support. Melbourne squads, always. <laughs> Well, oh, how good were the Vixens yesterday, by the way, too, oh. if we're talking that? Definitely. No, I love it. Good old Dan Andrews got his announcements out of the way so we could watch Glad he did that. Yes. But yes, thank now, you for having me, Casper. Khan Geelong, that's all I can say. God forbid. That, sound, that, sound, that, sound, that sounded hard when you say that, Eleni. Like, well, seriously. I, I, I'm feeling the same way as you. I think Geelong will win it. 
Who's going to be best? At, who's going to get your Norm Smith medal, Lenny? Um, ooh, Hawkins. I'm. I'm. I don't. I actually yeah. hate Tom Hawkins. I absolutely despise <laughs> him. Um, but I. I think yeah, he's had an interesting final series. Uh, kicking has been a bit of a disaster. So I'm. I think. I do genuinely think he will win it or lose it for Geelong. And I'm expecting him to come out and kick like five goals. And I think it's going to be beautiful. Um, I would rather that than see Tom Lynch kick five goals. That would just, if that happens, I hope someone throws a beer on him again. Um, that's, <laughs> I'll, I'll end it on that. It's a bit controversial, but oh well. I'm going to go, Ge- I'm going to go Geelong and I reckon Cam Guthrie for the Norm Smith. Oh, dark horse. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Might have to go and find my TOB account. I'll be back. <laughs> you, dear listener, are going to have to chime in to the episode later on in the week if you want to hear my prediction for the winner and for the Norm Smith. But for now, it is farewell and farewell to the six teams not good enough to make the final, uh, to make the grand final. Until later on in the week, au revoir.